Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MMA MMA show. That's Matt's middle-aged mixed martial arts show. Uh, this week, we're going to talk all the news in MMA. Uh, going to be a quicker show this week because, uh, honestly, my, my son is sick and he's in the other room and he's probably going to yell for me any minute. But I am dedicated and going to do the best I can here. So, uh, very... Active day yesterday in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Nevada Athletic Commission had hearings for John Jones and his uh, Turinabal issues. They also talked Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor and a couple of the guys involved in that brawl with uh, Conor and Khabib. Zubera Tukagov and Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. So we're going to get into all of that. But first, um, probably the biggest story was Jones, I would say. Uh, he's going to be able to fight at UFC 235 in March in Vegas. They, the Athletic Commission granted him a one-fight license uh, to fight Anthony Smith in the main event of UFC 235 on March 2nd. Uh, the meeting was long. I watched most of it, some of it out of the corner of my eye, but uh, I think it went about like three hours. They interviewed, you know, the doctor who said um, that it didn't appear Jones used again, and this is from old usage of the drug. Uh, Daniel Eichner, I believe was his name. Um, they talked to a USADA rep, they talked to Jones, they talked to Jones's lawyer, somebody called in on the phone. Um, so this was a pretty in-depth, um, I don't want to say investigation, but in-depth hearing, I guess would be the best way to phrase it. And I thought Nevada did a decent job, uh, asked some good questions, uh, put some of these people on the spot, but in the end, <laughs> They did what everybody kind of thought they would and um, granted Jones a license to fight in just a couple months. So they're going to do some increased testing. Vegas wants, Nevada wants to test him more. He's still doing Nevada testing. He's still doing USADA testing. So he's going to be tested a lot. And in theory, if what the doctors and Jones say is true... He should have some Turinabal in the system. I think they're going to create, they talked about creating a threshold where if he's over a certain number of picograms of Turinabal in his system, it would be considered a failure and he would be unable to fight. I don't know that they determine that amount as of yet. Um, he was always in that 60 to 80 picograms level uh, for several tests. So we'll see where that goes. But in theory, Jones will be able to fight with, you know, this banned substance in in his bloodstream or in his urine, I guess. Um, which is weird. I can't think of another example where you're allowed to have this prohibited substance um, come up in tests continually, possibly for years to come. Um, is it plausible? Yes. Um, does it feel unlikely and they're giving them a pass? Yes. But 
in theory, Jones could microdose for years and just say it's still in his bloodstream. Um, so it, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see how this plays out over the years. But either way, Jones gets to fight again, which I think most fans will be happy to hear. Obviously, he's the, the best fighter on earth, possibly of all time. And he's going to take on a guy in Anthony Smith on March 2nd who's going to be greatly overmatched and likely have a spectacular finish in one way or another. I can't imagine that fight going five rounds. Um, so overall, my take is basically the same thing. Like, this story with Jones is sort of plausible, but it doesn't feel right. Um, and there seems to be smoke there. And where there's smoke, there's fire. So uh, I, I don't trust it, but it is what it is. Um, I, I think Nevada... And most of those commissioners there asked good questions and almost did their due diligence here, but uh, it still doesn't feel right to me. When you have multiple failures in the past and you're still failing now, it feels like something's up, um, especially with the limited amount of knowledge and the limited amount of studies that there are on Terinabal. Um, I, I don't know how you can say for sure it's not from more recent usage but they're going with that theory and he's going to get to fight and anthony smith doesn't seem to have a problem with it he said on twitter he doesn't care if jones is still testing positive uh he wants to fight either way and i think jones did have a test last week where the turina ball was still in his system so it's a weird one it's a weird story uh I, I like to see the guy fight, but I, I'd also like to see him fight on a uh, level playing ground as everyone else, and it doesn't seem to appear that that's the case. Even if it is a, a pinch of salt in the swimming pool, he's still got it in his system when other guys don't. So there you go. John Jones is back, fighting March 2nd at UFC 235, defending his light heavyweight championship against Anthony Smith. Then the other two... Uh, well, I guess four people we need to discuss that came up at this uh, commission hearing in Nevada yesterday. Um, the first would be Khabib Nurmagomedov. He ended up receiving a nine-month suspension, and a f which can be reduced to six-month suspension if he does a PSA, an anti-bullying PSA for Nevada. Uh, he was also fined $500,000 for jumping out of the cage at UFC 229 and attacking Dylan Dennis. Uh I saw two different takes on this. One was that a $500,000 fine is ridiculous. You know, you don't even really see fines like that in criminal court, uh, let alone for what would, you know, probably be a misdemeanor. In, in the real world, jumping out of the cage and attacking a guy, and he didn't do much damage. No charges, I don't believe, were pressed by anyone. Uh, nobody really truly got hurt. Is it a good look? No. Um, should it be allowed? No. Should there be some punishment? Yes. But $500,000 feels like a lot of money for what Khabib Nurmagomedov did that night. Um, at the same time, I saw other people saying, you know what, with his, you know, posted purse and what he made on pay-per-view points, he probably made close to $10 million on this show. So $500,000 is 
you know, 5% of what he made that night. Um, if you look at that way, yeah, it's probably not a huge deal for Khabib. But at the same time, do you find, you know, a guy who made 20 and 20 on this show, 5% of his purse, which would be, you know, 5% of $40,000, you know, which is a couple thousand bucks. Um, yeah, maybe you do, but th- th- there seems like there should be a cutoff at some point. $500,000 seems excessive to me. Um, that money just goes straight to the Nevada state coffers and, um, it just seems arbitrary. I I don't know what you base the $500,000 fine on. Um, and and there seems to be no guidelines at all in Nevada on how they find people or how much or anything like that. It's feels like they can do whatever they want. And as a result, Khabib has said he's never going to fight in Nevada again. He claimed he was going to fight again in November at MSG. Uh, and will we'll never step foot in Nevada as far as he's concerned. Um, whether he holds true to that, I, I don't know. It, it probably depends how much more he wants to fight. Obviously, he makes more money when he fights in Nevada because... The gates are higher generally in Nevada. They can get, you know, those big gamblers, whales, whatever you want to call them, to spend more money on tickets in Nevada than they can ki- than they'll spend anywhere else in the world. Uh, a lot of those tickets are comped by casinos, things like that. Um, it's a different story everywhere else in the country. New York's obviously a good market as well, um, but he's got to pay more in taxes there too. So. We'll see what happens with Khabib. He is a man of belief and conviction. So part of me says, you know what, he's going to hold out and do that. Um, Anything else with that? He is supposed to do a PSA about anti-bullying if he wants his suspension reduced. But he's got Ramadan coming up this summer, and he doesn't really train or fight during Ramadan, I guess, which is you know, sometime during the the summer months. So he likely wasn't going to fight again until November anyway. So um, we'll see what happens on Twitter. He he wrote politics forever in regards to the fine and suspension. I I think his feeling is that Connor should have been fined more as well. In the end, uh, Connor was suspended six months and fined $50,000. Uh, one-tenth of Khabib's fine. But again, Khabib was the one that, you know, started the brawl. He jumped out of the cage, and Connor was inside the cage the whole time and got jumped by a couple of Khabib's training partners. Connor threw a couple punches, but it really was more in self-defense. Khabib, Khabib was, I want to say he was the instigator because Dylan Danis was talking trash to him, but he was the one that jumped the cage and started the brawl. You really can't argue that. Um, so Khabib getting a stricter punishment, higher fine makes sense. But it was still out of whack. $500,000 is life-changing money. Um, but at the same time, he should have been fined and suspended longer than Connor. Uh, Connor wrote on Twitter, I am thankful for the Nevada Athletics Commission's fair assessment and handling of the brawl incident. 
It's not my intention to land the final blow of the night on my opponent's blood relative. It's just how it played out. I look forward to competing again soon. Thank you all. Uh, he also posted some pictures on Twitter uh, talking about how he landed the, <laughs> the final shot of the show, which was a left punch on one of Khabib's training partners who jumped in the cage and attacked him. He said, straight left hand inside the attacker's jab. He attempted to use the big security guard that's in all the movies as cover, but I could smell him a mile away and landed flush down the pipe. The final blow of the night, UFC 229 in association with McGregor Sports and Entertainment. So Connor's not taking this that seriously. And again, I, I don't think he's the person to blame in this situation. Yeah, he talked bad about Khabib, but... Um, you know, there's a difference between talking a bunch of shit and um, jumping into a crowd full of fans and fighters and attacking them. Uh, so Connor could fight again in six months, which isn't really that far away. Uh, the question's going to become what they end up doing with the lightweight championship, which Khabib currently holds. Are they going to do another interim title will they just wait till Khabib can fight again in you know after the summer uh generally the trend lately has been to do an interim title fight obviously you've got Tony Ferguson in the mix Dustin Poirier in the mix Connor in the mix and they could throw Nate Diaz in there too if Diaz is looking for a fight the two most deserving guys are Tony Ferguson and Poirier at this point. If Connor wants to get in there, you know they'll do the Connor fight instead for the interim title. If Connor wins, they could run back Khabib and Connor again, and the fight would make sense. So the real question moving forward will be is what does Connor want to do? If Connor wants that fight against Poirier or Ferguson, for an interim title fight, you know they'll give it to him because the show will draw better than anything else they can do. The question is, does Connor want to come back for that sort of fight, or would he rather wait for Khabib again in November? Would he rather fight Nate again, do that trilogy fight, which would draw really well? A Khabib and Nate fight would both draw better for Connor than a fight against Poirier or Ferguson. So really it come down to what Connor wants to do. And I, I don't know what he'll he'll choose. His heart doesn't really seem to be in fighting as much as it used to. He's got the whiskey thing, he's got a clothing line, he's got two kids. He's kind of diversified his interests and It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I, I, I could see the Poirier fight. I could see any of them happening. It really will depend on his mood and what he thinks his best best bet is. It, he'd probably be the favorite against Poirier. I think he beat him before. Unless he's really, you know, not training at all, just doesn't have the drive anymore, has too many recreational... Uh, interests going on and just doesn't have his head in the game. Sure, Poirier can beat him. Poirier's a very, very good fighter. Uh, Ferguson, I would favor over Connor at this point. So I, I, I don't know what he'll, what he'll decide, but if he doesn't want to fight, you got to imagine UFC would go Ferguson Poirier interim title fight. If Connor's out even longer, 
have the winner of that fight Khabib in November for the for the you know undisputed lightweight championship. Uh, any of those are possibilities. So we shall see. Uh, two other guys involved in the, these Nevada hearings were, I mentioned earlier, and I'm probably butchering the names, Zubera Tukagov and Abubakar Nurmagomedov. They were both fine for their roles in the UFC 229 brawl. Those are two of the guys who jumped the cage and uh, attacked Connor uh, after the fight. They were both given one-year suspensions and $25,000 fines. Uh, Khabib didn't like that, said it was too long and he wasn't going to fight again until those guys' suspensions were up. Um, the, both uh, Chukagov and Nurmagomedov, in theory, could fight again come October 2019, a year after UFC 229. Uh, either way, Khabib says he's done fighting in Nevada. Either way. But, uh, yeah, a lot of news coming out of that. Uh, athletic commission meeting yesterday very long it started at noon i don't think it was over until after four they took multiple breaks during it it was it was a long a long viewing session for sure my ipad actually ran out of battery during it um oh conor mcgregor's friend artem lobov uh conor's friend and training partner i should say also known as the russian hammer announced he was no longer a member of the UFC. He asked for a release. The rumor on the street is he wanted to fight in March, but the UFC wanted him to fight in April, so he asked for his release. Lobov, who is often mocked online as being the greatest fighter of all time, has a 13-15 and 15 record, and what has to be a losing record in the UFC. Yeah, he's <laughs> leaving the UFC with a record of 2-5, and five. And a 13-15-1-1 and one record overall. He was a finalist during Season 22 of The Ultimate Fighter. He last fought against Michael Johnson in October, uh, which was a loss. He also lost to Cub Swanson and Andre Touchy Feely. His last win was in November of 2016 against Ishihara. On Twitter... Lobov wrote, Malinaji and Khan, I'm ready to go next Saturday. Where are you at? So uh, apparently he's looking into getting into boxing and getting his ass handed to him by much better, more experienced fighters. He also wrote, boxing is a great sport, but it lacks entertainment lately. Time to bring in the big guns. Who wants it? He had also mentioned going to Bellator or Ryzen and or doing some kickboxing as well. I'm not sure where Lobov will end up next, but he's ready to fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. Uh, I think he might get knocked out if he tries to fight a real boxer or a kickboxer. But uh, that's Lobov's choice. Uh, I would like to wish Artem good luck in his future endeavors. This past weekend, we also had Bellator 214. This was uh, the finals of their heavyweight Grand Prix with Fedor Emelianenko versus Ryan Bader. This was on January 26th at the Forum in Inglewood, always up to no good California. In the main event, Ryan Bader defeated Fedor Emelianenko by knockout at 35 seconds of the first round. This was just sad. Um, 
Fedor's like essentially first punch just knocked Fedor out. It was kind of like a cross, kind of like a jab. It wasn't a hard shot. Fedor went down. Bader landed some shots on the ground. Fedor, the fight was stopped, and then Fedor came up, and blood was just like shooting out of like right above his eyebrow. Um, you know, I've picked on Fedor for years. He's been old and washed up for a long time. Uh, people consider him the greatest heavyweight of all time. I am not one of those people. I think he had a bit of a padded record in pride. Um, never fought in the UFC. I think like guys like Kane would have destroyed him. Shane Carwin, I think, would have beat him. I, I think there's a lot of, you know, guys in that, you know, later you know, 2008, 2009, 2010 era, that, that would have beat Fedor pretty readily, prime Fedor even. Um, he did get those couple wins against Mir, Mir and Sonnen, but again, those aren't real credible wins. Sonnen's a middleweight. Frank Mir's been washed up for years as well. Um, and granted, it, it could have been a happy ending for Fedor, but he was against a guy that's still relatively young, relatively in his prime, who technically is a light heavyweight. I mean, Vader is 35 um, and a light heavyweight, and it was just like he smoked Vader. It wasn't even a fair fight at all. Um, so a, a tough night for Fedor. Good win for Bader. I, I don't know what it means for him going forward. He's, he's 35, fighting in Bellator um, as their heavyweight champ and light heavyweight champ. Uh, Scott Coker, the, the Bellator president, said that they would try and make it work so Bader could Bader could fight at heavyweight and light heavyweight and defend both belts. Uh, so he will presumably continue on as Bellator's champ champ defending both titles. Uh, where Fedor goes from here, hopefully it's retirement. Uh, maybe a nice, you know, lakeside home in St. Petersburg or something because it's over. Could he take some freak show fights against you know, Sonnen and Vanderlei and older guys, yeah, but I, I personally, I don't want to see that. I, I'd just like to see him retire. Uh, his contract is up at this point, so he could re-sign, but retirement seems like the better idea. I always err on the side of retirement and encourage fighters to do that. Uh, when you're 41, why continue to take a beating? Uh, in the co-main event, Henry Corrales defeated Aaron Pico in an upset. This was a knockout at 107 of the first. Uh, Pico rocked Corrales early, but then kind of got in a clinch, and they were both throwing body shots. And as Pico tried to back away from the clinch, just got drilled. I think it was a left hand right on the button. Went out cold like, like he was out. This was a brutal knockout. And you got to wonder about Pico's chin. He's young. He's only 22, but he's been knocked out twice. Um, super talented guy. Super athletic. Great wrestling. Good striking. But it's like when he gets hit, he goes down. And it's almost scary how hard he goes down. Like this was a br one of those brutal knockouts where the guy falls backwards and his head bounces off the mat. And then he takes another shot. It was just, it wasn't pretty. Um the guy has a ton of potential. He's just got to be more cautious defensively. He goes out there guns blazing, and 
puts himself in danger. He, I mean, he could have used his wrestling against Corrales and won the fight on the ground probably. Um, but he's just reckless. And, I mean, it's a fan-friendly style, but when you don't have the chin to handle it, like trying to like a Justin Gaethje who can take a ton of punishment and, you know, rarely gets knocked out. That's one thing, but it doesn't seem like Pico's got that kind of chin. He does not have the granite chin and cannot keep leaving it out there to get hit. It's like he's got to shore up his defense or go to the wrestling more because um, when he gets hit, he goes down. Uh, we also had Jake Hager uh, defeating J.W. Kaiser. Hager is, you know, the, the former WWE champ. Uh, Jack Swagger is his other name uh, that he went by in pro wrestling. He won with a arm triangle choke at 209 of the first. Uh, he got the fight to the ground pretty much right away and dropped some big elbows and, and some good shots on the ground and then got the arm triangle. The guy who was fighting Kaiser isn't a very good fighter. I think he's 1-3 as an amateur, 0-1 as a pro. So it was a... a a dominant win for Hager, but it doesn't really say much about where he's at as a pro fighter. He claims he wants to fight 10 more years until he's 46, which is pretty optimistic in, in the fight game. But he got the win. He looked good against a low-level guy. We'll, we'll see how he progresses, but father time is certainly not on his side. Also on the card, we had Juan Archuleta defeating Ricky Bondejas and Adele Altamimi defeating Brandon McMahon. Um, on the prelims, uh, jiu-jitsu standout AJ Agazarm actually lost in a catchweight fight at 160 against Jesse Roberts on a split decision, 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. The biggest takeaway from that fight was the moment where, at the beginning of the fight, where Agazarm just put his chin out, like, as far as possible and, like, taunted the guy to hit him. It looked really funny, really awkward. That that was the one highlight of that fight. Um, in other news, uh, actually in very similar news, I shouldn't say other news, Bellator 214, the show we were just talking about, uh, did their best viewership numbers in one year. So uh, that Fedor-Bader fight and Hager making his debut... Uh, plus Pico drew pretty well. The show averaged 697,000 viewers. Uh, it finished sixth in its time slot on cable in the 18-49 to 49 demo. Uh, it was the best number for a Bellator show since January 20th, 2018, so almost a year to the day. Uh, that was a show headlined by Chael and Rampage. Uh, Emilian Anko vs. Bader finale drew uh, 1.2 million viewers which certainly would have gone up if the fight went more than 35 seconds um, so a, a good rating a positive rating for uh, Bellator the the show also was on the zone you wonder if anybody watched it on the zone but maybe they had another 50,000 viewers on there too you never you never know uh, those numbers aren't released anywhere so it would be hard to predict then uh this weekend we do have a a ufc card no bellator though uh it's a ufc fight night a sun versus marish two this is on espn plus 
Uh, that's the only place you can see this unless you can find somewhere to stream it for free. Um, this will be, you know, UFC's second card on ESPN+. It's taking place in Fortaleza, Brazil on Saturday, February 2nd. In the main event, we have Rafael Assuncao versus Marlon Moraes. Um, this has to be, I shouldn't say has to, but it should be a number one contender fight for the bantamweight title. You would think the winner of this would fight Dillashaw unless they move Cejudo up to 135 to fight Dillashaw. Um, Sun Sal and Maurice, I think, I'd have to check and see where they're ranked. Um, I think he's number three, a Sun Sal, as a bantamweight. Maurice is currently number four because I think they still have Cruz and Garbrandt ahead of those two guys. Um, but Garbrandt hasn't been active and needs a win, and Cruz is injured again. So <laughs> those guys probably aren't going to get the next title shot. Anyway, this is a rematch. A, a Sun Sao won the initial fight by split decision. That was, I want to say... Um, a couple of years ago, back in 2017, I believe in June of 2017. Um, you know, Marais is probably the hotter fighter, um, younger guy. He's 30, uh, won a couple titles in WSOF, has won three straight in the UFC over John Dodson, Aljamain Sterling, and Jimmy Rivera. So, Three good wins, the last two by knockout. He's looked really good. A Sun Sao, on the other hand, is 36 now and has won four straight against Sterling, Marais, the split decision win, Matthew Lopez, and Rob Font. So not quite as impressive. Um, and he's a little older, and he's had a lot of fights. So I, I like Marais in this fight. He hits hard. He knocks guys out. I think he's going to be able to land a, a big shot on a Sun Sao and get this win. Uh, in the co-main event, we have Jose Aldo versus Hanato Moicano. This is part of the Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo retirement tour, I guess you could call it. He wants to fight three more times in 2019, all in Brazil, and then retire. That's his hope. Uh, Moicano is a really good up-and-coming featherweight. He's 29 years old from Brazil. He's won his last two, uh, but is 12-1-1 overall. He's got wins over Calvin Cater and Cub Swanson. It was a rear naked choke, uh, a real dominant win over Cub. Um, so the question is, is Moicano, you know, the next generation going to be a little beat Aldo here? You never know anymore what you're going to get with Aldo. He seems... Older, slower. Granted, he's only 32, should still be in his prime, but he's had a lot of wars, a lot of injuries over the years. He's coming off a TKO win over Jeremy Stevens, where, um, you know, I'd never seen the guy so happy. He looked so excited <laughs> to win that fight, jumping around, dancing. Um, it was a big win for him. I don't know. The, the, you never know where the swing is. Is Moicano really that good? Has Aldo slowed down this that much? Um, I'm going to pick Moicano because I, I think he's the younger, fresher guy, and I think Aldo's 
I want to say a shell of his former self, but he's not what he used to be. So my official pick is Hanato Moicano in that one. Also on the card, the main card, we have Damian Maya versus Leeming Good. Uh, Charles Oliveira versus David Tamor. Johnny Walker versus Justin Ledette, which is an interesting fight. Two up-and-coming light heavyweights. Walker had that big win where he was landing all those brutal knees in his last fight. And uh, Ledette is, you know, he's got a lot of hype behind him. Um, he's 6'4". He's 30 years old. He's 9-1 and one overall. He is coming off a unanimous decision loss to Alexander Rakic in his last fight. But... Um, Two good younger guys um, with some potential here. Um, Walker's only got the one fight in the UFC, and he looked he looked really good in it. But he it's just hard to determine how good a guy is after one quick win. Um, this fight will say a lot about both guys. I, I would keep an eye out for that fight. Um, you probably won't hear much about it before then, but it's, a, it's definitely a fight to watch. Uh, in the opener on the main card, we've got Livia Hanato Sosa versus Sarah Frota. And then prelims, there's not a lot of name value on there. There's a Diego Alves versus Max Griffin fight at welterweight. Uh, heavyweight fight, Junior Albini versus Jazinho Rosenstruck. Albini's the guy who uh, looks like he's wearing a diaper when he fights. And um, those are the bigger the bigger fights from this show. Um I'll be curious to see how much hype this show gets with um, it being the second show on ESPN Plus because there's not a lot of name value on this card. Um, obviously, also that the the Super Bowl is that this weekend, which takes up um, you know most of the media, most of the sports press is going to be all over the Super Bowl, obviously, as opposed to uh, Sun Sal versus Maurice too. But um, that's pretty much your news this week in MMA. Uh, I'm trying to think anything else going on. Obviously, the Super Bowls this weekend. My daughter will be getting off the bus momentarily, so I got to run. But I appreciate you listening. We will be back next week, hopefully with a little longer show. And uh, we can talk some weird news stories and some other sports news. Thank you for listening to the MMA MMA show. You can uh, listen to it here on Anchor. There's also an Instagram page, a Twitter page, just MMA MMA show. And uh, again, thanks for listening to Matt's Middle-Aged Mixed Martial Arts show. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.